Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. Jack! Jack and Coke right about now wouldn't be bad. <laughs> and right back to bed. I could, oh, and out cold. I could uh, happily sip one of those right about now. It's your pallies. Greg and Lucky, welcome to it. How was everybody's weekend? It was rather nice. I <clears throat> I see that a lot of September is actually looking pretty good, but you said the next few days we're looking at rain? Yeah, some rain coming in uh, tomorrow. It looks like showers. All right. All right, but sitting in the uh, low 20s, if we could hang around in the low 20s and sun cloud mix for about, I don't know, 11 months of the year, that would be... <laughs> You'd be fine with that. I'd be fine with that. I'll take a little snow at Christmas. I'm, I'm one to... Uh, to play ball around Christmas time, but if we could get back to low twenties in January, that would be good. The weekend was nice. Yeah. Uh, well, we ended up Saturday and I was hosting, um, the, uh, Whitby Mayor's Gala for Mayor Liz Roy, her first. And, uh, we did it right, uh, in a tent on the waterfront, mm. uh, the harbor front in Whitby's. Their harbor dreams was the theme. They're trying to come up, uh, with some, uh, improvements and, and designs and, and for the Whitby waterfront. It was really, really a beautiful setting. They had a, a 10 minute drone show where mm. they had you know 200 drones doing these big light up uh, displays basically looked like a, an active light bright going on in the sky <laughs> <laughs> but it was pretty awesome and unique and you know in in the in the times that we live in where fireworks uh, demand you know immediate complaints from people mm. about the noise and uh, what it does to their dogs the drones were actually a pretty neat way to do things and um Christian Pritchard was the uh, the auctioneer. Oh, okay. Uh, for for the uh, event, um, dinner was fantastic. Did you get your butternut squash soup? Uh, you know what? It was in the it was in the salad. I was like, oh, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> um, but Andrew Nicholson, who who owns uh, and runs Butchies in Whitby, she was uh, she's a, a Food Network chef and was on that Top Chef show. Oh, okay. And put this thing out. It was it was incredible. Like it was a like a, a beef rib that was just fall apart good, nice. uh, fall off the bone. The only problem is, I scrape my plate like, like within seconds, like just hammered it, <laughs> and then looked over, yeah. and Doctor Downer was at the table next to he us. He was. He was there. Oh, and he saw you. <laughs> I don't know. He saw me. He saw me there. I, don't, I hope he didn't see me take this plate down <laughs> like there was an emergency situation. That's great. Because, you know, you and I are both going to see him in the next couple of weeks, and I know you're going to completely throw me under the bus. Well, actually, I don't have to see him. Oh, okay. I have to go see the specialist about my active bladder. Right. Because oh. it's the only thing in me that is active. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. So I, I've got to go see him. I just hope he wasn't looking over, because I saw him before the event. Mm. Uh, and then I don't, Hoopy wasn't looking over to see how I, like, compl- I almost licked the plate. <laughs> and then I met my doppelganger. Oh yeah? So it was, uh, at, so I was up on stage and, and the mayor was kind of pointing at me and, and pointing at some other guy. I had no idea what the hell she was talking about. I couldn't hear. Um, and then, uh, and then I had a couple people come up to me later on and say, 
oh man, we completely confused you with this other guy. Hmm. And, uh, and I ended up meeting him. He's, uh, his name is Mike McLean. He's from Fieldgate Homes. Um, and he's much more successful than I am. <laughs> but we do look very similar. And it was, it was crazy. And thankfully, I just had to clear the air for everyone when the live auction was happening that any bidding would be coming from him, <laughs> not from me. How is his personality compared to yours? <laughs> was he easier to get well, along with? Uh, you might hate him more because he's even more successful. Oh, that's right. Well, he's successful. Right, yes. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's clarify that. Now, let's uh, let's just go back to Dr. Downer, because yeah. as you had mentioned, you and I are both going to see him. Uh-huh. I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to give you your timeline here with Dr. Downer. Okay. Now, you can you can either, when it's all said and done, you can fess up to me and either tell me the truth or you can say, no, 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 everything's great, I'm fine, everything's perfect. Mm-hmm. But here's where I see things happening, because you're 47. Now. Yes. When I was around 47 or so is when things started to slide just a touch. So, you know, for years before, you'd go to the doctor and you have a regular checkup or do it, and everything was always fine. Fine, 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 fine. When you're a young man, everything's fine, 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 fine. Around this time, you're going to go do blood work and all of that, and he's going to say, things look good. Your cholesterol's a little high. Right. We want you to, you know, work on that. And your blood pressure's a little higher than we would like. But if you work on your diet, things will come down. And you will say, because you don't want to go on medication, and Mm -hmm. you will say, of course, Dr. Downer, I will work on that. Right. And you will. For a while, you'll eat a little better, and you'll probably get up and move a little more, and you'll you'll be uh, slightly uh, aware of all of this. Mm-hmm. And that, like anything, that goes on for a while, and then it starts to slide. Then you'll probably, he'll say, I want to see him in like six months. Then you'll go back and you'll see him in six months, and you'll go, it looks a little better. That's good. That's good. Things have come down. That's good. And this will carry on for a couple of years, this yin and yang, this back and forth. And then at some point, he'll say to you, Cholesterol's high again. We really should look at maybe medication. But don't feel bad about that, Lucky, he'll say. <laughs> it's hereditary. You know, sometimes it's hereditary. Sometimes there's nothing we can do about it. Right. And then he'll say, we should probably put you on a little blood pressure medication because the cholesterol's high and the blood pressure. And you've got a, a little bit of a family history or this or that. So you'll you'll eat it. You'll go, okay, I tried. It's just age. It is what it is. And he'll seem very concerned. Mm. Fast forward about five years. (laughs) Now, no matter what's going on with you, it's just age, and he doesn't seem like he can fix anything anymore. Mm. You know, when you were younger, you could go racing in, and you'd say, my elbow hurts. And they would do a litany of tests. They would do surgery to fix it. Now you go in and you say, my elbow really hurts. And they go, eh. Don't play tennis. Yeah, go home. <laughs> Put it on ice. They don't care to spend any time fixing you anymore. We will see, because for you, he's been Dr. Downer. Yeah. To me, he's been nothing but good news and bright and shiny well, this things. This is what I'm telling you. I understand. So we'll, we'll, we'll see whether or not... When you're scarfing back half a cow in front of him, <laughs> I suspect the next few meetings aren't going to be great. It's really good. Yeah. No, I know. Enjoy eggplant. That's your future. <laughs> 
65-year-old Donnie Osmond claims he's literally never cursed in his entire life. Come and on. I wouldn't trust him ever. A man who's never cursed is a man I cannot trust, nor admire, nor respect. Oh. Cursing is what makes us stay calm enough not to kill somebody. He's still saying sugar and fudge when he thumps his toe? Perhaps. He says, never. I've never cursed because I never heard my father curse. He was tough, but he never swore. Obviously, I still think the words he says, well, the thought is just as bad. <laughs> you know what they say about religion? You think it, you've done it. Anyhow, there are certain people I would love to say certain words to, uh, but I just think, no, be like your dad. So I go out of my way now to try to make Donny Osmond swear if I was around. <laughs> That's right. Be my, my goal. <laughs> Sneak up on him all the yeah, time. Yeah. Boo! Uh, you were mentioning this on Saturday. Nickelback's got a documentary called Hate to Love, and it's been at TIFF. Mm-hmm. And uh, Chad Kruger says as soon as this is out and done, everybody can go watch it. And then that's the last word on the hate. He claims he will not speak of it ever again. If it comes up in interviews, he will stop the interview. Come on, really? This is what he's saying. I mean, I, I yes, I'm sure bands and, and actors, everyone gets tired of answering the same questions mm. over and over. Maybe they're just asking people to be original. But you know, they were pretty successful. Mm-hmm. Hate it or not. And like many things, sometimes when people hate them so much, or they like to admit or say that they hate them, but really genuinely they, they, they do like listening to it. But I guess, I guess there's a side of them. Like if, if people, if we were being interviewed and, and people just constantly said, what was it like to be the most hated morning show in the GTA? And that question just always came up. Right. After a while, we would probably tire of it. Well, I mean, listen, we get messages of people who hate us all the time. Mm-hmm. Ten years here. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, own it. If you're, you know, it's like the Howard Stern thing where mm. people hated him, but they listened so much because they hated it. Guess what? You're earning them money. <laughs> I know. But I think, look, honestly, you know, we, we have these discussions and debates with listeners and certainly everybody gets their backup. But when we get a nice, hey, you guys make me laugh every morning. Right. I mean, you want to hear it. We know we upset sure. some people. Yeah. But that goes with the territory. And, uh, like Nickelback, part of it is that Canadian blowback, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, you know, you had to play so much Canadian content and so they got overplayed and people got tired of it and then complained that they hated it. What if a few years down the road, all you ever heard was, Mike Luck is by far the worst NHL pay-by-play guy I've ever heard. And that's all you ever heard. I've already heard it. And it's, coming, it's coming more. I hear it from you all the time. <laughs> yeah, but who am I? I go out of my way to berate you. Well, the, and, and the answer is, who is that person normally? Because in the world of social media, now imagine had Nickelback had their success in the 90s with social media mm-hmm. being what it is now. Because it's absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, when I see it, it's like, yeah, some dude sitting on his couch who, who's who got a, a a beef with how I pronounced one name over the course of three hours of constantly talking. Yeah, you know what? Go, go tell your mom to make some more meatloaf. I don't, uh, I don't believe you completely. I don't think you let things roll off your back that easy. I don't think you just move along. I've seen you in action. Your head almost explodes when you're getting into it with people. So I don't think you'd be Mr. Oh, well, whatever. Go get more meatloaf. Well, I'm also, I'm not at the point where I'm going to just wave my Lamborghini keys like Chad Kroger and say, I stopped carrying millions ago. Yeah, nobody's watching Winnipeg Jets games 
anyhow, so who's hearing you or seeing you to begin with? Um, we all heard the story about Danny Masterson, of course, and he's going to prison. Uh, well, he's not there yet, but he's, uh, I guess, appealing it, and he's been sentenced to 30 years to life. Well, I guess some cast members from that 70s show had sent letters to the judge to try to get some lenin- leniency from the courts. And two of those people were Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis. And uh, there's been some blowback because those letters, they ended up, uh, they were supposed to be private to the judge, but they ended up getting leaked as things do. And now they've had to post an apology video basically saying that Danny's family reached out to them a few months ago and asked them to write the letters. It was not in any way to cause any harm or re-traumatize the victims. They were simply speaking of the Danny they knew. So... They've had to say sorry about that. Pre- I appreciate the situation in the sense that if you had, you know, a, a, a longtime friend that got into some trouble and they came and asked you, uh, you know, for some help trying to, you know, lessen the situation in terms of their sentence, they wasn't going to get them off from these crimes. No, not but, at all. You know, maybe twenty years instead of thirty, or he was what he was facing, I guess, life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I appreciate that you write that letter. The only problem is it really looks tone deaf, you know, in mm-hmm. terms of, you know, the the character that they uh, had raved about him and uh, a strong moral fiber mm-hmm. that he had. The guy who raped people. Mm-hmm. When the day inevitably comes that I'm going to do hard time. <laughs> Would you write me a letter? Or let's reverse that. The time comes that you're going to do hard time. Would I be someone you came to to ask for a letter? Well, I mean, you, you've <laughs> seen me enough in action. I don't know whether or not I'd want to read the letter that you wrote. <laughs> I'd ask them to send you to more time. That's right. <laughs> 30 years is not nearly enough for this scumbag. <laughs> I, I lived with him for 10. <laughs> Can't imagine his cellmate. I want what to, they're gonna have to go through. Not only throw the book at him, I want you to beat him down with that book. I thought this was interesting. A uh, bunch of uh, men and women were asked about situations that would make them feel uncomfortable. So, uh, for an example, uh, when men were asked, "Would you be willing to apply sunscreen to another man's back?" So, man-to-man contact. Almost half of the men said they'd feel uncomfortable. I thought that number would be higher. Mm. Uh, very few of the women would be bothered by helping a female friend. That's because women are just good to each other this way. Right, yes. And we're horrific to one another. <laughs> We'd rather we see our friend get skin cancer than have to touch him. Uh, half of men would feel uncomfortable having to share a bed with a male friend. Quarter of women agree. Half? Half. Really? Yeah, yeah it's interesting when you're young... And you'd have like a buddy sleep over. Yeah. You'd be fine with sharing the bed. Yeah. But as we age. Yeah. I guess some people are weird about it. If you're on a guy's golf trip, you're just crashing. Who the hell cares? Sure. I'll head to the guy. I think we just all don't want a planes, trains, and automobile situation. <laughs> Those aren't pillows. No. <laughs> um, but half of men would be uncomfortable at a gay bar and compared to only a quarter of women. Okay. Now, I will say this. I remember saying this to both of my boys. 
if ever in your life it, it turns out that you uh, find out that a another man or a fella uh, has a crush on you, you take that as a compliment because normally gay men have high standards. <laughs> so if some gay guy was into me, I would be complimented. I would say, look at that. I'm keeping it together. If a fella has eyes on me, look at this. I'd carry my head high and walk through the day. Uh, most men are uncomfortable crying in front of a male friend. I think I'm uncomfortable crying in front of anybody. Right. Yeah. Well, first you get that ugly cry face. Right. Well, there's not a lot of good-looking cries. If you've ever seen yourself cry, it's not mm. a good look. And I've always thought, you know, I as a younger fellow, I always thought, boy, it'd be great to be an actor. But the one thing, and I did do some on-camera uh, acting classes, the being able to bring yourself to tears... I can't do it. Right. Weird enough, I can't make myself cry, and yet the littlest, saddest moment on a TV commercial can burst the tears out of me like Oh, a, really? Oh, yeah. Well, especially if I've had a couple of sips. <laughs> any, any TV show or movie where something sad happens can mm -hmm. really set me off. My real life... I'm, I've got no emotion. <laughs> I feel nothing for anybody. <clears throat> People come and go. Right. I just sail on through. I, I must be bottling it up. Like we joked about Rudy recently. I'm still like that. I've seen that movie a, countless times. Yeah. But you get to that final scene and man, I start to get weepy. I, uh, Maybe it's just because I've disappointed my father so much that <laughs> seeing someone make theirs proud. <laughs> what is that like? What's that like? I, um, I think when the kids were young, there was a few things that happened. Like, I remember there was this movie with Susan Sarandon and Julia Roberts where Susan Sarandon was dying of cancer. She was an older woman, of course, and her husband left her for uh, Julia Roberts. <clears throat> and Julia Roberts became the stepmom to her children. Oh, right, yeah. And in the process, stepmom, yeah. In the process of her dying, she was knitting some blanket or crocheting something. And in the end, the Susan Sarandon and Julia Roberts, if I remember correctly, they become friends. And uh, there's this whole big speech about make sure my children always carry this blanket. And I remember sitting there and holding it together for most of the movie. And then when that happened, I hit pause. I said to Maria, I just need a moment. And I was outside having a cigarette, just losing it. Neighbors are looking at me. What's wrong, Greg? She gave her the blanket. Well, it's funny because I mentioned I was hosting the Whitby Mayor's Gal on the weekend. With, I was sitting with Christian Pritchard. Yeah. And Christian had to take it up with me about, because I mentioned the picture he had posted of him hugging his daughter right. goodbye and we joked that you know he might not be able to see through his tears for the next couple of weeks and I'm sure there are a lot of dads who dropped off uh, a child at mm. university for the first time over the past week or so who had a little moment as they were doing so I wonder if it's um, a father daughter father son thing I think a father and a daughter more so than a father and a son I just think it may be, but I, I don't know. I think in front of them, perhaps. But I think even when they leave that scenario, they drop off their son and they start to drive away. There's a there's a moment of it's, it could be part of pride, mm. could be joy, uh, it could be some sadness. It's just as another milestone embarks.
I would but, leave a track of tire marks out of that town. <laughs> I just, it reminded me, and I told him he was bugging Christian was, was like, how, how can you give me crap on that one? I was like, I wasn't actually. I was, just, I was joking because. <laughs> Do you think he got hurt by it? No, I don't think so. But I think I told him the story of when I first dropped Evan off at daycare. Mm. Like he was the first and, and he was going to my buddy's place because his wife was running an in-home daycare. Right. And, and like, as I'm wa- walking up and Evan's like crying, he doesn't really want to go. Right. Right. And, and, uh, and so I'm dropping him off and, and I'm trying to hold it together mm. because if, if I bust out here, I'm never going to hear the end of it. <laughs> well, all my buddies, you know, and I held it together and got back to the car and as I'm driving away, just, just starting to flow a little bit. Sure. Thinking, oh my goodness, have we reached this point. I remember that happening to me when I first left Brampton to go to uh, to Windsor and on the drive uh, there. You left the family, right? Yeah, and it was the first time I had left them behind, first time I had been on my own, and I remember having kind of that moment in the car, but that's what pubs are for. <laughs> <laughs> they make all of that go away. Um, most men are uncomfortable crying. Oh, we just mentioned that. Most men are uncomfortable saying, I love you. To a male relative. Hmm. Interesting enough, I don't think my father and I started saying I love you when we'd see each other or when we'd say goodbye to one another until much later in life. Mm -hmm. And I will say I love you to both of my boys. David will always say it back. Daniel will not. Oh, really? Yeah, it's just the interesting their personalities. Yeah. Well, and so, so you still say it to them now? And, yeah. And uh, especially now that we're not living together. Right. Right. Like when, I mean, when they're like mine are still young and they still get, uh, you know, it, now and that it, you're starting to get less of them. Sure. Right. But you know, when they're little, little, you're, yes. you're certainly getting the I love you's every night. And I mean, when we all live together, I was far too busy screaming at them most of the right. time to get an I love you in there. Yeah. But now that I only see them occasionally when they arrive or certainly when they leave. Yeah, the love part of love you is replaced with other things for a while. Mm. <laughs> like F you. <laughs> and then starts to slowly come back some, sometimes. Men are uncomfortable hugging a male friend. We won't go in for the full. We'll go in for the hand and the, the one arm. Hug. Yeah. The bro hug. This is weird. A few of men are uncomfortable just going to a restaurant with a male friend. What? Masking much? Holy cow. Dude, relax. The only situation where women are more uncomfortable than men was when it comes to being naked in a changing room. It's very weird. Mm. I hate it. I hate every second of being naked or getting changed in front of even my own wife. Right. I don't like her seeing the disaster that this is. But when you see men in a change room, it's unbelievable how bold and they open they are. Many are, yes. They're d- blow drying their hair. They're, you know, one leg up on a bench They're with blow everything. Blow drying down there, dangling. yeah. No thanks. We won't hug a friend. <laughs> but we're, we're willing to let our tea and sugar hang out in front of everybody. <laughs> Did you know that Barbie? Barbie comes from a fake town called Willows, Wisconsin. Okay, it's a fake town because you get confused. Right, Barbie yeah. real and all. <laughs> Never considered. Mm. 
The best-selling item at a Walmart are bananas. I've heard that before. Sell more than one billion pounds of bananas every year. I get. I've never seen an ape or a monkey in there. True. Some people who are shaped like an ape and a monkey (laughs) and act like them. Uh, I've seen throwing poop at Walmart too. Um, I I don't know what I would have thought Walmart's highest-selling item would have been. Maybe diapers or something like that. Their fancy George wear. Right. But uh, but yeah, surprised. Surprise! It's a food item. I, I mean, my first go-to for grocery isn't normally Walmart, but I guess they do sell everything. So those that uh, that want a one-stop shop, I can understand that. Oh, you're more of a farm boy. Oh, yes, right. I'm afraid of one that's going in near my house. Um, yeah, you'd think the uh, Sobies across the street can't be happy about that. They're related, though. Uh, that's through that sir, food service the delivery. Voila, I, don't know I, think? That, I don't think that they're under the same umbrella. No. I know the uh, that Freshco there on uh, Simcoe, they're, sh- they're shutting that bad boy I heard down. that too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you got your no frills next to it. So they're good. Why is that? Why would a grocery store store shut down? It is, they, they, aren't, aren't we complaining about the record profits that grocery stores have had? They've got a really big one up there, uh, up north Simcoe near um, uh, Winchester. They've got a big Freshco in there, so maybe that's why. Oh, right, yeah. I get around all the grocery you, stores. You know your Oshawa grocery store. I certainly do. Um, one of your all-time favorite, Mission Impossible. The beat from Mission Impossible, the theme song, intentionally spells the letters M-I in Morris code for dash, dash, dot, dot. Dun, 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 dun. No way. Yeah. Interesting. That's something. That's that's really, really crazy and unique. That's awesome. The reason your nose runs when you cry, do you ever notice your nose running when you cry? Never shed a tear. Because <laughs> you have no soul. <laughs> Can you cry? Could you cry on demand? Uh, probably pretty close to it. I really, think. Really? Eh? I think uh, if I if I if I conjured up the right image, if I had to, I don't know. I'm not a very comfortable person on camera. The rest of your life stuck with me. Oh, there's a conjure. <laughs> he can't hold it together. <laughs> That nose really does run. Oh my god, it does. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't do it either. I, I I took some acting classes, and I cannot bring myself to tears when I want to. Right. I will burst into tears at the most random things on television or in movies. Mm-hmm. Will barely cry at all in any real life situation. I'm you a almost mess. got me near tears right now just thinking about. Yeah. This is it. This is it. This is it. <laughs> You've not only gone to the top of the hill, you're going down the other side. You're uh, steamrolling right down the other side with me, pal. Right. Hand in hand. Great. Uh, so the reason your nose runs when you cry is because your tears drain into the ducts, which run down each side of your nose. There they mix with the nasal mucus, which is a great name for an album mm-hmm. or a band. Mucus in general. Yeah, mucus is yeah. good word. We like the word mucus or snot better. Uh, it depends on the situation. Like, like I've never blown a mucus rocket. No, I see. It's like um, I, I think the term bowel movement is gross, mm-hmm. but just the S word is fine. Right. Got it. T- you don't say. I get. You never say. I got to take a bowel movement. Right. Well, and, and yeah, and I've never, you know, have to. I really have to blow the mucus out mm. of my nose. That seems very doctor's office. Yeah, even the word stool seems gross to me. Yes. You know, sample of your stool. I took him one. 
He didn't ask for it either. I was, here, I had this handy. You want it? Uh, no, Craig. We were checking your tonsils, but anyway. I didn't know what he meant by stool, so I went to Yisk and bought him one. <laughs> That's a big stool, huh, Doc? <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so the uh, the uh, the mucus there uh, runs uh, down and out. Uh, so it's not so when the tears go down into those ducts and your nose starts to run, that's not necessarily um, uh, mucus. That's just tear overflow. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Vincent Van Gogh, not an easy life for this guy. He didn't start painting until he was twenty-seven. He was dead by the time he was thirty-seven. In those ten years, he finished. About 860 paintings, or an average of one every four days. Holy cow. And only one of them sold while he was alive. Really? I wonder what the early paintings look like. Stick figures. <laughs> Couldn't have been great at first. No, no. You gotta, there's a learning curve and paint by numbers first right, and then right, right. go the rest of the way. I just wonder how many, 860, I wonder how many are still in circulation mm. or are they are accounted for. Yeah, probably not all of them. No. No. Maybe a couple hundred sitting at thrift shops around there. Right. Antique stores you can find. And this is a uh, spider fun fact. Small spiders have brains that are too big for their heads, so it actually spills into their body and legs. Gross. That's why I'm lumpy. (laughs) My brain... Has dripped. I thought that was a Molson gut. No, it's brains. It's all brains, baby. Sure. Look who joins us. It's the godfather of the grill. It's Ted Reader. Good morning, Theodore. Good morning, Craigie. Good morning, Lucky. Morning, Ted. How are you? Can't complain. No. No. Why would you? You look at your life. You're Ted Reader, for crying out loud. We can only look at you with envy and say, look at Ted Reader. He's in his uh, truck. He's getting on the uh, 407. What a life he leads! He's like royalty. Yeah. <laughs> making my making my way from Etoba Smoke all the way out to the Brooklyn Lululemonville. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful. Now, Lucky was just mentioning off the air that he had been at this uh, Mayor of uh, Whitby event and that they had had braised uh, ribs. Let's talk a bit, if we can, Ted, about the process of braising food and and the and what it does. And and do you then take braised food and then put it on a grill to kind of finish it up, or and and, and what type of meat do we normally braise? Well, uh, braising meat is usually done with cuts of meat that are a little bit tougher than uh, like a steak. You know, if you have a New York steak, it's pretty tender. You throw it on the grill, you take it off. But things like oxtail or uh, or a pot roast, as they call it, or short ribs of beef are usually relatively tough cuts. He cooks slowly for a long period of time. You can do it by smoking them. And uh, like we do with a brisket, it's a tougher cut, and it takes... It takes a number of hours to become super tender. And the same goes with short ribs of beef. And I believe at the gala that you were at, Lucky, uh, they were having short ribs of beef. Yeah. And traditionally, you take that meat and you sear it quickly to seal in the juices. And then you put it in, a, in, in some kind of liquid. It could be a reduction of red wine, uh, beef demi-glass, uh, some vegetables, things like that. And then you cover it and you put it in a low oven for a long period of time until that meat is super, super tender and then slides right off the bone. 
And so that's, that's the process. It's low and slow, but done. raising is done with liquid in your oven. And, and some will take the cheat, I guess, of the, the pressure cooker or the, uh, the the ninja or something like that too, Ted, right? Yeah, definitely. You can uh, you can put things in your pressure cooker. You can do it in a pot roast or in a in a crock pot as well. Right. And it's just it's just nice and low and slow. So you take you know you can take a small pork shoulder and you can pop that in your crock pot, and you add some liquid. Essentially, you're braising it until it's tender and falls apart. Now, when you're choosing meat for this, you, you, you mentioned it's kind of, it's not the regular steak, but what about the fat content? Because a lot of these things, I mean, you're trying to break down the meat. Are you looking for meat that's particularly fatty or, or one that doesn't have a lot of fat? Uh, it, it really doesn't matter. The, if there's the more marbling or the more internal fat, the more flavor you're going to get out of that piece of meat. But it's really, you know, when you're, go to your local butcher and, uh, you know, say I want to do some braised short ribs of beef and your butcher will give you the proper cut and, and give you some recommendations on, on what they would do to cook that and prepare that. But that's the easiest way to do. Look for good internal marbling. You always want to buy for, for in Canada. You have different grades of beef, single A, double A, triple A, Angus, prime, um, look for triple A Canadian beef and what I would use. Nice and simple. And Ted, when we talk about, uh, brisket, we're always talking about the internal temperature. You're trying to reach, you know, 203 degrees. Things are very specific. When you're braising meat, are you just cooking it for as long as possible till it's falling apart or is there a temperature you're looking for? You're looking like on a short rib of beef, I'd be looking for the similar temperature as to a brisket, 203 degrees. Internal. Okay. And Ted, uh, early on in the conversation, you were talking about wine reduction or deglazing. For those of us, and this was always a problem I had earlier on when I was learning to cook, I'd look at a recipe and I'd have no idea what deglazing meant. For those who uh, are, you know, just getting into cooking, what does that term mean? Is it like a lot of effort? What are you doing when you're deglazing? I, I love. I, first off, I love how you say learn, learning to cook. You're still learning to cook. Oh no, I'm a master uh, now. I'm a master. <laughs> I've, I've figured it all out. You're you're never done learning to cook. Okay. <laughs> and uh, glazing is so if you take sample beef short ribs and you sear them off in a in a pan, there's particulate and some caramelization and bits that are stuck into the pan. And then you would you would remove the, the excess fat in the pan after you've taken the meat out of it. And then you're left with all these bits. Mm. And you heat up that pan and you would hit it with some either stock or water or red wine. And you're, you're removing those flavorful bits off the pan. You use a wooden spoon to help scrape it off the pan. And then you're going to get all that flavor that you put into your braise. And so that liquid, after you deglaze, goes into the pan, the short ribs, and you gather all the flavor from there. Very you don't good. Wait. All right. And you let that wine or stock or whatever uh, cook down a bit. You can. You don't put a ton in there. Just really, you put it in, it bubbles up, 
It helps remove anything from the bottom of the pan. You scrape it off with a wooden spoon. Don't use a metal spoon. And uh, and then pour it over your over your meat. Don't worry, Whatever. Craig's got to, not going to use too much because he's drank most of it before he gets to the <laughs> cooking process on the way home. Well, there's never enough to deglaze with. He's like bit of wine. Oh, yeah, in my belly. <laughs> None for the table. I've already drank it. All right, Ted. People want to talk to you about grilling, braising, all good things. How do they get a hold of you, my friend? Uh, you're going to find me at Ted Grills in the social media world. Rock Mornings with, with Craig, Craig Venn and Lucky. 94.9 The Rock.